Sports Network. Turn to the experts. Carrier. This is The Big Show with Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live. From the plaza out front of Vivint Arena, we're hanging out and getting ready for Frozen Fury tonight. NHL preseason action. The LA Kings taking on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. The NHL is back in town. You need to come see it tonight here at Vivint Arena. They've got some other festivities here on the plaza as well, uh, kicking off about 5 or 5.30. So um, get down here early and uh, take in some great NHL action here at Vivint Arena tonight all right we'll let you hear from rudy gobert his media availability today from vegas coming up at 4 30 but here i thought we'd keep the college football train rolling big game tomorrow night in logan byu utah state former byu quarterback and current radio analyst riley nelson jumped on with hans and scotty today and we thought we'd give you a chance to hear that conversation Olson, Scott Gerard, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. A big one coming up tomorrow. It's Utah State and BYU. Another fun chapter in this rivalry coming up tomorrow night, and you'll hear it right here on the Zone Sports Network. Also, uh, color analyst on uh, the Cougar broadcast, Riley Nelson, kind enough to join us. Former Aggie, former Cougar. How are you, Riley? Hey, Riley. Hey, fellas. Doing good this morning. How are you? Good. Hey, guess who I ran into the other day up in Logan? Kevin Robinson. K-Rob, man. Was it at his Hall of Fame induction? Yeah. Yep, I did. I was going to go. I actually told my dad, I said, hey, buy tickets to that. And unfortunately, that was they played North Dakota on a Friday, so the ceremony was on a Saturday, and I had a game to call. But K-Rob was an all-time uh, Aggie great. I mean, without him in those dark years, and unfortunately, I was a part of those dark years, but – Truly, without him, I mean, as bad as it was, I cannot. It, it, I'm, I'm terrified to think of how bad it would have been without him. And incredible <laughs> talent in the return game. He obviously was a guy. You know, I wasn't a dummy. Like when I got thrown in there as a true freshman back in '06 at Utah State, I was like, well, yeah, we've got some issues. We don't have much of a run game, and I, and I don't have much time in the pocket because we got protection issues. But if I throw it up to number six, good things t- seem to t- to happen quite frequently. So I was bummed to not be there to celebrate with him in his Hall of Fame induction, but he, he deserves every accolade that, uh, you know, Utah State is wanting to give him. So the the one win Utah State had that year, Riley threw a late se- late second touchdown pass to uh, Kevin Robinson against Fresno State, right? Two late touchdown passes. Yeah, one got he called back. Beat. 
he had a BS offensive PI. It was in the, it was on a uh, post corner route in the back of the end zone, and the dude actually pushed him. But you know the the ref saw uh, K Rob's arms extend and called it offensive PI. So we just had to run it back two plays later. We got him isolated on the backside, and he caught the game winner with I think you know 13 seconds left. But uh, on a tremendous play, by the way, he caught it at about the two. Had to contort his body and get the ball over the pylon. Uh, it was absolutely amazing. K Rob gave during some dark times for the Aggie football program. He gave them some definite bright spots. Right, I got to imagine that this game is a conflict for you, probably on both sides, where you've got definite ties to both programs, and obviously now calling color for the BYU uh, Cougars. I'm interested to get your thoughts on, like, when you're when you're analyzing and processing this game and potential win and loss. What type of emotion are you dealing with? So it's so funny you say emotion, Hans, because. That, that's how I've had to survive is I take all emotion out of it. Keep in mind, I, I'm i an Aggie by blood, but a Cougar by by paper or by adoption, right? Yeah. Which means that it, it, if BYU wins, um, I can't I can't be happy for them because my, whole, my entire family's bummed out that their beloved Aggies just lost, right? Yep. And if the Aggies win, then that's hard for me because then I'm like, gosh, man, my alma mater's not getting it done. We should be we should be beating Utah State, you know, and da 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 da. So what I've done is tried to take all of the uh, all of the emotion out of it and enjo- and just enjoy the the gameplay on the field, which I must say, the last decade has been tremendous. There's been so many incredible performances. Uh, you know, Jaron Hall, who's one that might play in this game, obviously the first half that he had before in 2019 before getting injured. Prior to that, 18 and Jordan Love and those guys going down to Provo and just that was something I had never witnessed, right, was BYU playing Utah State and not having a chance. I mean, from the opening kickoff, Utah State purely dominated them. To Nick Mitchell coming in and playing running back, you know, them pulling that out of their back pocket to – Obviously, you know, the game going back to, to what I was remembered for, the, the comeback in the 11 seconds. So the last decade in this rivalry, if you are going to take some emotion and cheering at it and just enjoy it for the, for the football play, it has been highly entertaining and a, and a definite high level of football. So um, I, I don't – I at least justify it that way by thinking I don't miss out on much by taking the emotions out of it and just sitting back and enjoying a good football game. You've seen this rivalry go, as you mentioned, a couple different ways, and it's been pretty balanced over the last 10 years. I think BYU's 6-4 and four over the last 10 games between these two teams, and uh, it's it certainly has been an interesting battle uh, seeing these guys get after it. Uh, but I want to get your thoughts on BYU's perspective rolling in this game, coming in at 4-0, and but they were in that situation, as you mentioned, the 2014 game. They were 4-0 and uh, going into that game. And, of course, Taysom gets the unfortunate injury, and Utah State wins that game uh, and really kind of altered how the season went for BYU after that game. Is that, uh, is that something on the mind of uh, maybe some of these BYU – probably not the players, but these BYU coaches as well? I think it most definitely is, especially when you look at the psychological makeup. When I think about that 14 game, that of course, I referenced it earlier, that was the game where Utah State used Nick Vigil on offense, and you know he scored, I think, at least two touchdowns. He might have even had three, but he was playing both sides of the ball, making plays on defense and offense. He was the heart and soul of that team. Now, I don't think the Aggies are going to line up Justin Rice 
uh, on the offensive side of the ball. And I, I also don't think they need to. Uh, the offense is doing fine just on its own. But but that's this this BYU team better be aware of the heart. It's not just scrappy old Utah State because scrappy old Utah State was like, oh, claw back, claw your way, like take the first game of the season. They claw their way back into it, but down the stretch they don't come and they have to take the moral victory of. Well, we, it was P5 on the road, and we kept, you know, we, we had a chance to win, but the ball didn't bounce our way. No, this team got it done. Likewise, Air Force, you know, oh, man, they rack up uh, 600, over 500 yards rushing, 600 yards total offense. It's in Colorado Springs. Nobody wins that game. Well, this Utah State team came, found a way to win that game. Obviously, the self-inflicted mistakes uh, just – were not enough to overcome, uh, especially early on against Boise. But the, this BYU team, if they don't respect the mindset of this Utah State and the self uh, of this Utah State team and the self belief that they have, that no matter what circumstance they find themselves in a game, they know they believe that they can claw their way back and not only claw their way back but overcome and win a football game. Uh, if BYU doesn't respect that then they could be in for some trouble tomorrow night. This feels like a Riley Nelson team to me, this Utah State team. I mean, it, it felt like every time you were on the field, Riley, that at any given moment something big was going to happen. And when I watched you play the game, it was a lot like uh, being on the on the field with my teammate Brandon Dolman, where you guys had the same mindset and attitude where there was no quit. Is that is that something you're born with, Riley? Is that something – because it does feel like this Utah State team has that. There is no quit. These guys will fight until the final second clicks off the clock. Yeah, I think it's uh, – I mean, if you look at the relationship between a coach and his players as kind of a, a father and son, I'm not saying that it's that way, but I think it's both. I think you have to be born with a certain bit of competitiveness that – you don't feel sorry for yourself when you're down. You fight back, even if you, even if you're not sure. You you never give up on a hope they can win a game because you never know. But even if it's not look, you know, let's say you're down 28 in the second half, like even if that's the case, you continue to give it your all because a you never know, and b you respect the game and you respect your opponent enough to not quit on it. Like what good does quitting and feeling sorry for yourself do? So guys have to, you have to recruit the right guys that kind of have that innateness about them. And then second thing is you need a, you need a sounding board. You need someone to remind you of those principles and to remind you to stay in there and hang in there and, you know, keep, keep answering the bell with each round. Even if you, even if the scorecards at the end of the fight aren't going to go in your favor, and I think that's something that Blake Anderson has bought, brought to this program for whatever reason. The second time around with with Coach Gary Anderson, uh, that that wasn't there. I think there was plenty of dynamics uh, that contributed to that. It wasn't on Coach Anderson alone. Um, age simply being one of them, right? Coach Anderson approaches sixty, and Blake Anderson is in is in the prime of his energetic youth to be able to infuse that kind of attitude in Utah State and. I think uh, Blake Anderson has definitely brought it. I think he's got the right mix of guys, whether it's Bonner coming in as a transfer or Rice coming in as a transfer, and then and then some of the guys that are holdovers that were there with Wells and, and experienced all the glory of 18. Also, experience you know, Devin Tompkins is one of these guys, right? He was there at 18. Yeah. He wasn't a main player, but he's a contributor. He he went through the darkness of 19 and 20 and he knows how miserable that was that now that he's a, an upperclassman and a, and a leader on the team, he's not going to let them revert back to it. And he's got a coach in Blake Anderson that's going to support him. So uh, the, the attitude and the psyche and the performance of this Utah state program is, 
one that uh, is definitely a force to be reckoned with. And not only tomorrow night, but uh, obviously they gave up one to Boise, so they've got a notch against them in, in looking to win their division and the conference championship. But they're going to definitely be in there, even though they experienced a minor setback against Boise State. So, Riley, I've got full confidence that BYU can win this game. And, and I think on paper, I think with the personnel – and the coaching staff, their tenure being together for as long as they have, I, I think the BYU's got a lot of advantage in, the, in this game. But there is a looming question of all the guys that went down against South Florida and guys that were held out for South Florida because of some things that sustained in, at the Arizona State game. Um, I just want to get, if you've got some personnel thoughts, you know, Tyler Batty and Mahe and Wake and Lachance, if you've got thoughts on those guys' availability, please give us those because I think that that some of these names, Jaron Hall, I think some of these names play a huge role in the confidence of all BYU fans going into this game. So when it comes to personnel, um, the coaches, whether it's on air or off air, I, will, I, I don't get anything extra out of them, right? They're very tight-lipped to play it close to the best. So what I'm about to offer you is my personal opinion, and that is I believe that the BYU staff um, believed that the game with USF was never in doubt. And because of that, if there was even a question that a guy was not 100%, that he wasn't feeling right and could benefit from using some rest, they sat him. So I think that's the case with Batty and, and Nysa. With guys like Harris, the chance that happened in game, I think theirs is it's like, yeah, I could play through it. You know, it's going to swell, but it's going to swell up over the course of the game. I'd rather, you know what, let's shut you down. Let's get a jump on your recovery right now. Let's not. Let's not in, increase or exaggerate the injury, even though it would only be slightly. We don't need it. We can plug the next guy in, and we can still come out of here with a victory. So I think that that was the approach last week. Again, nobody told me that. That's just my observation of this team over the last two years. They are not quick to sit guys out unless they find themselves in a situation like they did here where you got a team that you – you, you should beat with even if it's, a, it's your entire second string and you've got, uh, you know, a dogfight looming on you on a short week, a Friday night game on the road, your, fo- your first true road game of the season against a team that's proven to be, you know, that you can't mess with them, right? It's a three-in-one football team that's gone out and gotten incredible wins on the road. you got to go to their house on a short week. So I think those – Another, so I guess what I would say is I would not be as worried about uh, about the fear. Now there is the element of guys rusty, and anytime you sit out, you get out of rhythm and, and things like that. But most of the guys we're talking about are, you know, they're professionals, they're upperclassmen, they've been there before. They, they they'll know how to handle their business. So um, from that standpoint, and then I'll, I'll save you. You're probably going to ask me a follow up question about the about the personnel decision at quarterback. Uh, that's another one where. I think BYU, now that Baylor has has proven a third time that whenever called on, he's going to be able to go and execute the game plan. Heck, just objectively speaking, understand that South Florida is not to the level of Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, but objectively speaking, he executed parts of the offense in, in a lot of ways better than Jaron Hall did. So the game plan might look a little bit different between those two, but I don't think you would expect a drop in production no matter who's there at quarterback from both on-field and then off-field leadership-wise as well. 
Utah State uh, made four trips inside the red zone against Boise State and only came away with three points. Uh, BYU, conversely, uh, has been darn near perfect in the red zone, uh, scoring touchdowns on 12 out of their 15 trips inside the red zone. As a former quarterback, what goes into uh, in, into play in making sure you get touchdowns inside the red zone when the field shortens up and, and you don't have a lot of space to operate? Uh, what, what are the things that need to happen to make sure that you're able to come away with seven instead of three when you get in there? You have to trust your coaches and you have to as a quarterback you have to trust your coaches that he's going to dial up the right plays at the right time and not just the right plays maybe against the scheme but the plays that you are in a quarterback as a quarterback has the high, have the highest level of confidence in executing and then secondly you have to trust your guys around you you know hands was saying guys like me guys like Doman. it w- it was true that we never were out of a game and something big could happen at any moment but that also would work against you sometimes and that something catastrophic could happen at any moment i you know, I still have burned into my memory against a few opponents, trips down into the red zone, and just making boneheaded decisions, not because I was ignorant or not because the defense got the best of me, but simply what got the best of me was my belief that, you know, I can overcome. You know, you find yourself, they call it, let's say you're third and, you're third and eight from the 16, and uh, you got to, instead of, everything's covered up downfield instead of taking my tight end over the ball for six and kicking a field goal in the middle of the field or throwing it out to the back and seeing if he can break a tap, you know, he's likely going to get tackled at four, but maybe he breaks a tackle and picks up the first down for you at eight rather than doing that. You know, I, I still have these vivid memories of running around trying to do too much, hoping like Cody Hoffman or, you know, O'Neill Chambers or Luke Ashford, or these guys pop open in the end zone and I can make a miraculous touchdown throw. You have to try. And, and that happens from like, a subconscious it's, it's not so much a lack of trust but it's just a like as a quarterback knowing I know better you have to sh- sh- you have to shed yourself of that kind of pride that you know better than your staff and you and you will make the play not tr- talking about trust like you I should trust Jamal Williams that if I throw it to him four yards on four yards on the flat on a third and eight that he's going to be a play, a playmaker that he is break a tackle and go get it this attitude that I'm describing is what I saw a little bit against Utah State. I just saw two things. One is I saw um, I saw a little bit of that, a little bit of just pressing, right, trying to be too much of a playmaker. And then Boise State did play. They, they were completely different schematically, so there was an element of confusion. The defense that they played between the 20s was largely like, Ben, don't break, keep it in front of us. And then uh, once they got inside the red zone, you saw them, they were loading up a, a bunch of box players. They were messing with the shell pre-snap, post-snap. They were doing things differently than they were the entire field. So that was a little bit of defense inflicted. But I would say for the large part against Boise State, Utah's woes in the red, or Utah State's woes in the red zone were undoubtedly self-inflicted. I think, you know, Coach Anderson and crew up there, obviously they're aware of it because that was their downfall in that game. So I don't expect them to repeat history uh, this Friday against BYU. So, Riley, BYU gets to sit on a Utah victory for the next two years. Well, three, really, by the time you get back to it, if if it is held in that in that Big 12 scheduling in 2023. But I'm wondering, are we running out of space for this BYU-Utah State rivalry game to be played now that BYU is moving into the Big 12 in 2023? I sure hope not. When the news came down, uh, we had Tom Homo on our pregame show with us, and I didn't it didn't. Uh, I didn't want to get so specific in the interview on air, but I did ask him off air. I was like, hey, I know there's a commitment to keep the Utah-BYU, but what about BYU-Utah State? And... Uh, 
you know, he he was as optimistic as he could be. He wasn't as optimistic as he was about the Utah matchup, but he said that is another game that we are going to try and play every year. Um, and so, and I think that is, I think that's reciprocated from Utah State. The tough thing is, though, BYU still, and, and BYU fans have gotten accustomed to them, you know, traveling the country, playing, uh, really increasing their exposure from coast to coast. And it, your your opportunities are just limited if that's if that is still a stated goal for the BYU football program and the BYU athletics to increase their exposure, increase their footprint nationwide. If two-year games are either held in Provo or Salt Lake and Logan, and you only have two other non-conference games to play with, and of course, who knows what the Big 12, uh, you know, conference schedule will look like once all those teams come in and settle in. I don't know that I've seen any definitive word on that, but it does put a squeeze on it. If, if BYU's goal, but I say you know you've got two games there, and then all that puts the pressure on is two, um, two more games, or, or sorry, th- that those two games you got to make the most of, right? You can't be wasting one on on a low level FCS or, or you know a money game, uh, because then that reduces you to only one kind of notoriety, not you know big exposure dr- driven non conference game. So I think the squeeze is definitely put on, but I have faith in Tom Heck. Tom Homo's kind of navigated, you know, the last decade, which is as tricky, uh, you know, as much of a minefield as any AD's had to navigate. I think he's done it. It hasn't been 100% smooth, but I think he's done an admirable job. So he was, he's found a way to make that work. I think he'll find a way to make this BYU-Utah football series work as well. I hope so, man. I know that you want that Utah State-BYU game just as bad as I do. It means a lot to me and my family. I know that. Yeah, it most definitely does. It means a lot to to a ton. You get these loudmouths on on Twitter. They don't speak for the entire fan base. You know, the more I the more time I spend on Twitter, I see these same kind of tweets being recycled and realize that it's the same. You know, dozen two dozen guys expressing these sentiments about who considers who a rival, and you see it yeah. from all three sides, right? You see it from Utah, BYU, Utah State. But, you know, the 30,000 people that are going to be in Maverick Stadium or the 60,000 people that would be there in LaBelle Edwards, you best believe that those people care. And those are the ones that really matter. So I think they're not to mention what it means to the state at large and all the all the kids playing high school football and all that. So I think Tom has an accurate uh, understanding of the impact that this game has on both programs and state athletics. And, and so, uh, heck, between you and I, we'll do all we can to make it happen and hope yeah. the ADs get on board with us. That's for dang sure, man. I think we got uh, we got two ADs right here. Let's just go. This Let's game, finish this thing up. This game is critical. <laughs> it's critical, man. This game is so important. It's important to me. It always has been important to me. And if it if it went away, that would be a nightmare. But it's going to be an interesting conversation. Can you play two in-state rivalry games being in the Big 12 and still fill the other two non-conference games the way you need to fill it? it I'm, a, I'm a little I'm a little pessimistic on that. Honestly, yeah. I know you're I, not I mean, talked I, about I think, it. It's... I think they can look to the Gator, Florida, and the Hurricanes in Florida State, and yeah. obviously Miami and Florida State are in the ACC, so they're in conference roles. So that's a little bit different dynamic. But those teams seem to find a way to play each other enough. Obviously, you know the conference aspect of it's a little bit different, but Florida seems to find a way to play. You know, Florida State pretty much every year, and but then they also find a way to play Miami enough. I think we could look to Florida's model. Um, to and how they interact with Florida State and Miami um, as maybe a, a little bit of a blueprint going forward. 
That's a good point. Hey, before we let you go, I know we've kept you way too long, but I mean the Big 12 news. Uh, as a BYU alum, as a former player, how fired up are you for this? Yeah, you know, initially it's all about football, and, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, man, our record, we scared Texas and Oklahoma off, right? Because our record <laughs> with the most recent games and those guys, they didn't want that smoke. But I'm a, I mean, a, so from a football standpoint, I'm like, you know what? It's a better position to be in because I think this is a tremor for a bigger tectonic shift that's going to happen later on in this decade. And I think being in the Big 12 positions BYU and a more advantageous for that from a football standpoint. But the more I think about it, man, basketball is going to be awesome. Ba- uh, here's another one, baseball. I love baseball. When I was at BYU, you know, I was one of the few that would go there and march in, in the rain. and he- I-, I would go sit up under the covers and I'd do homework while watching a baseball game, right? I love BYU baseball. And this is going to be like – a stratospheric jump for them, not to mention all the other, you know, the Olympic sports and other sports that BYU participates in. So it's just going to provide a ton of, of fun opportunities. Um, from a football standpoint, I love playing against Texas teams because, as we all know, football is a religion in Texas. And, and uh, no matter – and look, even if it's not the Longhorns, the Baylor Bears, the, you know, Texas Tech – uh, TCU, those guys, I mean, it, it's no less of a religion for them. Uh, so there's just a different feel playing those guys. So get the chance to play them consistently year after year would be a chance I would relish in as a fan, something I'm super excited about. Go down there, experience those stadiums, experience that atmosphere. Uh, so, uh, I mean, I'm tickled pink. I, I don't know how long-lived it will be. Like I said, I think that the P5, my prediction is that the P5 within a decade will become a P4 and that uh, one of the conferences will dissolve, and then you're going to have kind of maybe a two. It'll be like the professional leagues, except instead of two conferences, you'll probably have like two halves um, with kind of two semi-conferences, each with two divisions, and those will all feed into, you know, probably what eventually becomes the 16-team playoff for football. That might be a little pie in the sky, but uh, that's what I'm putting out there in the universe because I think it would be sweet. We'll certainly appreciate your time. Have a great call coming up tomorrow, and uh, it should be a lot of fun. If you and uh, Rubel, uh, you know, get bored, just come on over, and maybe we'll just do a, a combined broadcast on this game. It should be a lot of fun. <laughs> hey, I, uh, although I don't know, between Greg and me and you and, and also Kevin, I don't know if there's enough airtime to go around, nope. but uh, <laughs> it might be fun to try. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. There's a lot of mouths that need to be fed right there. Hey, you're the best, man. Yeah, we thanks, appreciate Riley. it. Thanks, fellas. Have a good There you go. That's Riley Nelson, color analyst for BYU's radio broadcast, and, of course, a former BYU quarterback and a former Utah State quarterback. Uh, of course, some of us remember that game. That Riley Nelson won as a freshman and had the team carry him off on uh, on their shoulders. It seems uh, so long ago, but yet uh, not that long ago at the very same time. But there you go. Riley Nelson does an excellent job calling all the action for BYU football alongside, uh, of course, Greg Rubel. want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks. If you're working from home or with a hybrid workforce, get a powerful IT partner, Syringa Networks. Call 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Quick uh, adjustment in programming. We wanted to get all of Riley there. I uh, thought it was really good stuff, so pushed us back a little bit late. So we're uh, we're going to move uh, the Rudy Gobert uh, sound from uh, Vegas for media availability today. We were going to do it at 4.30. We're going to go ahead and move that to 5.30. We'll talk to Kevin White coming up uh, at, uh, at 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll talk some NBA basketball coming up right around the corner. We're live 
From uh, Vivin Arena, we're out here on the plaza getting ready for Frozen Fury. Of course, the L.A. Kings in town to take on the Las Vegas Golden Knights NHL preseason action right here at Vivin Arena. If you've never seen an NHL game, do yourself a favor. Come down tonight. Uh, they're going to have some uh, festivities on the plaza starting about 530 as well. Puck drops at uh, 7 o'clock. More Big Show coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Jake Scott with you, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, broadcasting live today from the plaza out front of Vivint Arena, getting you ready for Frozen Fury. The LA Kings take on the Las Vegas Golden Knights uh, tonight here at Vivint Arena. They're going to have some festivities starting around 5.30 out here on the plaza. So if you're coming to the game, make sure you get here a little early to partake. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to see NHL hockey, tonight is your opportunity. Come check it out uh, I think uh, hockey is uh, is way better in person than it is on television. You don't quite grasp how fast these players are skating and uh, how quick the action is on TV. One of the things with uh, I'm not a huge hockey fan, but uh, watching hockey in person is is absolutely a lot of fun. So Frozen Fury tonight. We'll have the Not Sports Report coming up for you at 450. Kevin White, former Aggie quarterback and uh, current color analyst on the Utah State uh, radio broadcast alongside Scott Gerard, is going to jump on the show coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. So stay tuned for that. Um, wanted to get into this just, uh, just a little bit. Jazz season right around the corner. Um, I thought Andy Larson... Had a great uh, breakdown. Uh, I think he, uh, it got posted today. Yeah, uh, in the Salt Lake Tribune, sltrib.com. And I know a number of, uh, of uh, beat reporters and people who cover the Jazz had a chance to talk to Monty McCutcheon, who is uh, um, uh, head of uh, the refer- – or uh, Monty McCutcheon, who was uh, – let's see, what's his official title? Hang on here. I can get it for you. But uh, the league's head of referee development and training uh, talking about what the competition committee is, is – um, uh, changing a little bit this year on how things are called and man i hope this works i hope that this actually goes into practice and we will see i'll, I'll tell you why i kind of have my doubts here in a second but um supposedly they're going, going to change the way that they call uh fouls when it comes to drawing them the offensive player drawing fouls and we've seen it a zillion times right we can all picture it in our heads it's a three point uh, a three pointer attempt there's a shot fake. The defender jumps. Uh, the offensive player jumps into the defender, uh, throws a, a prayer at the rim, and finds himself going to the line for uh, three foul shots. And there are some other examples that uh, that they're getting into in some other plays, not just on three-point shots. For example, if you're driving to the basket and you jump into a defender who's playing legal defense, that's now going to be an offensive foul. If you jump into the defender and leaves his feet, um, uh, on a shot and purposely do that it's now going to be an offensive foul in some cases if there's very minimal contact it will be a no call but no longer uh, in theory at least will it be a uh, a foul on the defender and i uh, you know we can you, luka doncic does this james harden does it you know you can think of examples donovan mitchell has has put it into his game somewhat um and i hope hope that they actually do this 
Now, I'm a little skeptical because it seems like we get these rules every year that the NBA is going to crack down on and enforce harder. And then, you know, it kind of goes that way for a little while, and then it just goes back to business as usual. See the flopping rules from a few years ago where they came out and said, we are going to enforce the flopping. We're no longer going, you know, they were going to fine people who flopped. I think they ended up finding like five players, and then nobody's ever heard of the rule since. So what I'm hoping is that this is, is something that, uh, first of all, um, referees uh, enforce correctly. And forgive me for doubting NBA officials, but uh, they're certainly far from perfect. So hopefully they, they enforce this uh, correctly. But I hope that it doesn't become one of those gray areas where it's kind of controversial and nobody knows what's what, and then it en- ends up just going back to uh, how it was called all along. Because I think... This will help the viewability of NBA basketball. And I know that, you know, uh, basketball guys, I remember um, Gordon Hayward one offseason, Dennis Lindsay assigned Gordon to watch James Harden, how he drew fouls, and wanted Gordon Hayward to to figure out some of those uh, tricks of the trade to do the same. Like, I get it. Basketball, uh, people want to win the game, you know? Basketball coaches want to win the game. Basketball players want to win the game, and you're going to do what's allowed to you within the rules to do that. But I think that nobody shows up to games to watch foul shots. And nobody shows up to games to watch players um, be crafty and manipulative when it comes to the referees. And I realize that uh, it would be impossible to get rid of all of that. But I, I don't like I don't like purposely playing to have the officials win it for you. Maybe maybe I'm not putting that uh, as clearly as I possibly could, but it, it brings the official into the game more than certainly I like, and it sends players to the line a lot more. So if, if you can actually call the games this way and deter players from jumping, offensive players from jumping into defenders to draw fouls, I think it will do nothing but improve the watchability of, uh, of NBA games and certainly would um, cause some... Uh, less fan frustration, at least for fans of teams that don't have James Harden on it. And I've gotten into, you know, arguments uh, with uh, with David Locke, um, among others, uh, about this whole thing. But I don't like watching James Harden play. Uh, David uh, Locke will tell you that he's the most gifted offensive player maybe the league has ever seen. And that might be true. But I don't enjoy watching James Harden play. I don't. I don't like uh, all the shenanigans for lack of a better word and manipulating refs to get to the line and Luka Doncic is the same way and everybody talks about how much they enjoy watching Luka play and I get it I guess but I don't like that sort of I don't like that sort of stuff um you know go out and play the game and uh let's keep the officials out of it as much as humanly possible because nobody is going to the game to watch the officials officiate and nobody is going to the game to watch foul shots I mean, you know, you sit and you watch all these NBA games and as uh, these teams are going to the line so much, it just slows the pace of play, makes the games longer, and uh, it, it brings the officiating far too much into it. So if you want a little bit more detail on exactly how they're going to call these things, as I mentioned, Andy did a nice job in the Tribune of, of laying out, and he included some videos and some things to kind of demonstrate exactly what they're trying to do. But I hope it's enforced and I hope they actually stick to it this time. It will make the NBA so much easier to watch. All right, we'll have the Not Sports Port coming up next. Kevin White at 5. It's the big show, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.
Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Jake Scott with you here on the plaza up front of Vivint Arena, 97.5 and 1280 Zone. I want to remind you about our friends at Marley's Gourmet Sliders. Where, whether it's the classic Rickster, Killer, Handsome Rob, Pastrami, Fajita, or Killer Breakfast Burritos, don't forget the best shoestring fries out there. Marley's Gourmet Sliders will satisfy any hunger. Just off 515 inside Timpanogos Harley-Davidson. We also want to remind you that uh, Hanson Scotty, Going to be hanging out uh, coming up tomorrow on a football Friday from Mountain Land Supply in Far West, 3142 North, 2000 West in Far West. Go see those guys uh, on a game day. Hanson Scotty hanging out with uh, our friends at uh, Mountain Land Supply. It's, down, it's time for the Not Sports Report. Uh, it's brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Uh, check them out, LHM Used Cars. Dot com. The great Frank Zang walking by, everybody. Hi, Frank. Communications guru for the Utah Jazz. Our good friend Frank Zang, one of the good ones out there, strolling by. You never know what celebrities you'll see here on the plaza outside of uh, Vivint Arena. But uh, for the Not Sports Report, um, this is a story, and uh, I, w- I would have gotten mad at Gordon for selecting this story because I don't understand how this thing is, uh, this sorts of uh, thing is news. But there is a, a twist at the end, which I, I found amusing. Um, let's see. Dateline, where is this? Uh, it's somewhere. It doesn't really matter. I think it's around Houston. But anyway, uh, a, uh, a uh, police officer uh, pulled over a guy driving in the HOV lane. And uh, the guy uh, was driving along. And uh, here's the thing. He did not have a passenger. Instead... He had one of those uh, Halloween plastic skeletons with a hat on sitting in the passenger seat, uh, of course, to, uh, you know, you always uh, inflatable people or whatever mannequins as people try to get away with uh, with driving in the HOV lane. This one's pretty weak. It really is. It's a it's a Halloween skeleton that's got a got a hat on. And uh, this guy was uh, was ticketed and given a a uh, citation for driving uh, violating rules for the uh, for the HOV lane. But here's the, this: the driver reportedly claimed he really liked Halloween and wasn't paying attention to the signs when he got on the HOV. That has got to be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. At what point uh, you're going to get the citation anyway? Why don't you just say, "Well, you caught me." <laughs> Didn't think you'd notice the skeleton. You can't say, oh, I'm just really into Halloween. I just am really into Halloween. I like the skeleton with me all the time. I don't know how I wandered into the HOV lane with uh, my buddy the skeleton here. Who just, you know, I'm, did I mention I'm really into Halloween? Be like getting pulled over with a mannequin in the same situation. Be like, I just like fashion. You know, I just I have a mannequin with me wherever I go to, to carry my uh, my spare clothes. You never know when you're going to need to look sharp going into a meeting or something. So I've just got this mannequin here. Yeah, and uh, it was pure coincidence. I got I got in the wrong lane. What am I going to say? H O H O V H O what? Oh man, I I just really like Halloween. Come on, 
I don't I don't understand that. What do you think what do you think the police officer is going to do? He's going to go, "Oh, I didn't know. Oh, oh, don't. Hey, hey, I, I got to put this citation book back in my pocket because I, I had no idea you were just a big fan of Halloween and got lost getting into the getting onto the HOV lane. You just oh, that happens to everybody. Took a wrong turn. Hey, have a nice day, sir. We'll see you later. Happy Halloween. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what the driver. I guess that's my point. I don't know what the driver was aiming for there. At what point do you just say, you know what, you got me? Ha! I tried to get one over on you with my skeleton buddy here, and it didn't quite work. Let me get my citation. I just wonder, like, if, if there are uh, police officers out there listening to the show or whatever, you, you should write a book about the lame excuses that you get throughout your career when you pull somebody over for something like this or whatever and just hear, you know, I, uh, I love Halloween. Love it, Halloween. I bet they, get, I bet they hear them all. I mean, for those folks out there. Uh, who uh, police officers or, or family members, friends or whatever? I bet you get all the stories, all well, the excuses. People caught red-handed doing something stupid, and be like, "Wow, I, I was just, you know, doing this and that. It's, it's innocent, I swear." Big fan of Halloween. Took a wrong turn, got in the HOV. Oh man, can you let me off? Mm, no, I don't think that's what you were doing. All right, coming up next, Kevin White will be on the show. Former Aggie quarterback and current color analyst for the Utah State broadcast. It's coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. It is the big show live from the plaza out front of Vivint Arena getting ready for Frozen Fury tonight right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.